And thank you, Miss Casper Zach, for the hard work that went into teaching those children that song. You know, it's funny, we have the adult choir, and they have to have a director, and we have the teen choir, and they have to have a director, and then we put these little kids up here, and they sing without anybody telling them what to do. They just do it. Uh, what a blessing. Take your Bibles this morning. Please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. Ephesians, chapter number 6. I'm very energized this morning because I eat breakfast. I don't normally eat breakfast. I usually grab a cup of coffee on the way out the door, drink it going down the road, try not to spill it, <coughs> swerving and driving around all the crazy drunk drivers and people texting and driving. And if I can make it to the office without coffee on my tie, it's going to be a good day. But this morning I had biscuits and gravy, which I have a funny feeling that was an, uh, that was an afterthought after last night's very public fiasco, just trying to make conversation. For those of you that went in our service last night, I was just mentioning we got breakfast with dad tomorrow and I looked over at our fearless leader on the piano and I said, so what are we having for breakfast? And he just looked at me. And I looked at Miss Emily and I said, well, surely she knows. And she just looked at me like she's looking at me right now. We should now change the subject. One thing led to another, and then we got here this morning, we had biscuits and gravy, and I had biscuit, gravy, and two bowls of cereal. I am stoked this morning. Two glasses of orange juice, my sugar's up here. I'm ready to preach for about three hours. Well, how long of a hall pass did you guys get off of work this morning, all right? So uh, we do this every year, Breakfast with Dad, and I appreciate you guys hanging around for chapel. Uh, it's a good crowd here this morning, and uh, we're just thrilled that you're here. It's because of you that we have the school. Amen. We couldn't have the school if we didn't have parents that uh, didn't make the sacrifice to put their kids here, and uh, we, mean it, we mean that. We're grateful we, we have a lot of kids in our school, but we probably don't have enough children in our, school, in our church, rather. We have a lot of children in our church, families in our church that would put their kids in our school, but to be able to do everything that we do, we have open enrollment and uh, allow those that are not part of our church family to put their kids here, and many of you are here today, and we're grateful that you trust us with your children each and every day. And uh, one of the things that's really been on my heart this morning, out of Ephesians chapter number six, we're going to look at verse number four. We deal, we, we teach verses one and two and three here in the school and in chapel uh, to try to help you dads out on the home front. Teach your children, verses 1, 2, and 3, where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. We teach this in the school. I know it's a foreign concept in today's society but we still believe that children should obey their parents and honor their parents. And we try our best to teach them that here. Uh, we try to teach them the importance of respecting authority and obeying the rules and following the rules. We live in a lawless society. You can say amen. Uh, we live in a society where teenagers are standing on the street throwing rocks and buckets of water on police officers. Uh, we teach our children here that is unacceptable behavior. 
And uh, that's, that's, not, that's not acceptable. And, and uh, we teach them to obey their parents. And uh, we, we, we preach that. We teach that. But this morning we're going to look at verse 4. And that is, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to preach for a little bit this morning on what kids need. What kids need. Let me begin by saying this. Children are expensive. Can I get a witness? Children are expensive. I was actually doing some research this morning and I found out that raising a child can be extremely costly financially. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, with an annual adjustment for inflation of just 2.2% each year factored in, the lifetime cost of raising a child born in 2022 could be an estimated $272,000. And I'm sure that factored in public education. That was, that was letting the state raise your kids and teach your kids. When you figure in the, the, the cost of private school, a Christian school tuition, uh, that number even goes higher. And that doesn't even include cost of sending a child to college. That's just till they turn 18. 272000 There's not a kid in here worth that. $272,000? You kids say, I just don't think my parents love me. Are you serious? Do you know what we could drive if it weren't for you? Do you know how we could live? Do you know how, how well we could eat out? Do you know the steaks we could consume at the Texas Roadhouse? If it weren't for you kids, of course they love you. But we talk about what kids need. We're always being confronted with what kids need. Kids need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And then Zane come home and he says, I need ice cream sticks, popsicle sticks. So what in the world do you need popsicle sticks for? When I was little, we would eat a popsicle and then we'd throw that thing in the trash. No, I need a whole bunch of them. I got to build something for school. Like, well, we better start eating some ice cream. You can't eat that many. I need to go to the store and buy some. Oh, seriously, they sell ice cream sticks without ice cream on them. Wow, okay. I need it. Always needing something. Need glue. Oh, my, my wife says he, he, he needs glue for his project. I said, we got Elmer's glue right over there. No, that's the wrong kind of glue. It's not the glue you pour out. It's got to be the stick glue. I'm like, glue is glue. No, it's not. It must come from a different kind of horse. I don't know. They need stick glue for this project. It's got to be this, and I need this, and I need this. And kids are always needing stuff. We got a 10-year-old. He comes downstairs. I'm like, I just bought those pants. Now they look like shorts. What happened? Huh? Just bought them. You're looking at a guy that had grown a pair of pants this way since I was about two years old, all right? So I don't understand it. Need some new shoes. We just bought him some shoes. Look at them. They look like they've been used for target practice down at the gun range. We've got to get some more shoes. Blow it out the side and blow it out the toe and blow it out the back and scraped up and scuffed. I said, what did you do? Take your shoes outside on the asphalt and just do that for two hours? How do you even make a pair of shoes look like that? Need some new shoes. Pants. 
Holes in the knees. Praise God, he's a prayer warrior. No, he's not a prayer warrior. <laughs> Holes in the knees and, and the stains and, and this and that. Always needing something. Kids always needing something. They also want a lot of stuff that they think they need, but they don't really need. You ever had a kid come in and say, I need, and then throw out some crazy thing, and you look at them like, are you kidding me? I need a pair of $150 basketball shoes. I play basketball, I need a pair of Air, Air, whatever it's called, Air Nikes, Air Jordans. I need a pair of Kobe Bryants. Is that a thing? Is, that a, is he a basketball player? Okay. I, I, I need a pair. Because, you know, our, our Christian school team, we're, we're so world-renowned and we play in these, in these world stadiums against these world-class players. We need $150 basketball shoes to get our tail kicked in basketball. Okay, whatever. I need, I need, I need, I need. Well, can I tell you something this morning? There are some things that our kids need. And they're all right here in this verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. I'm going to start at the back end of this verse and I'm going to work to the front, okay? I'm going to start on the back end of verse number 4 and we're going to work backwards. Here's the four things our kids need. Number one, they need to see in our lives, dads, evidence of lordship. Look at what it says. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This verse is clear. They need to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. By the way, the same Lord in verse number four for the dads is the same verse in verse number one for the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. We like that verse. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord, preacher. I thank you all for teaching my kids Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You tell my kids what the Lord wants them to do. You tell my children what the Lord said. And you send them home all trained and, 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 and grounded and obedient and, and, and honoring us because it's in the Lord. Okay? We will and we do. But you get to verse number four, and guess who else needs to know about the Lord? The fathers. The fathers, that door swings both ways. If we're going to tell the children to obey your parents in the Lord, then we've also got to read verse 4. Fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They need to see evidence in our lives as dads that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord. Not just a side thing. Not just not just a little knickknack on the shelf that we dust off and pull off and we show it to certain people at certain times, but that he really is Lord in our life. It's one thing to tell your children that Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to show them that he's Lord. I used to have a bumper sticker on the back of my work truck, pull up on construction sites with this real men love Jesus bumper sticker. It was the biggest piece of junk truck you've ever seen in your life. 1980 Ford Courier held together with bailing wire and duct tape and bungee cords. Piece of garbage. I paid $500 for it. Sold it back to my father-in-law for $500. Get that piece of garbage out of my driveway. But on the back of that truck, holding that whole truck together was a black bumper sticker that said, Real men look, love Jesus. 
And I'd pull up on the construction site and them big old gnarly construction guys out there cussing like sailors and, and they're all gruff and I'd back my little F I'd back my little nineteen eighty-four courier in there with my bumper sticker, Real Men Love Jesus. And boy, I got a lot of comments. Hey, what's that bumper sticker? It means exactly what it says. Takes a real man these days to love Jesus. Takes a real man to know they need Jesus. It takes somebody that's a real man to know they can't live in this life without God. That's what it means. And to be able to have the guts to stand up and be able to have the courage to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I said, it takes a real man to do that. It don't take a real man to drive a nail or put up a square of shingles or run siding or hang a drywall or, 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 or wire a house or plumb a house or pour concrete. It takes a real man in today's society to stand up and look the world in their God-given eyeballs and say, I love Jesus. And our kids need to see that from us. If we expect it from them, we ought to show them. They need to see evidence in our lives as dads that Jesus Christ is our Lord. A lot of people treat Jesus like a fire escape. Well, I know I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. That's wonderful. Now what? Well, I'm going to live my own life, do whatever I want to do with my time, my life, my talents, my energy, my money, my time. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I'm not going to hell. You treat Jesus like a fire escape. He's Lord. He's Lord. That means he's sitting on the throne of our hearts. They need to see that. They need to be taught by us as dads that Jesus Christ is Lord. And dads cannot raise their children in the Lord if they don't know the Lord. Y'all still with me? You cannot raise your children in the Lord if you don't follow Him. This book right here is the law of the Lord. The Bible calls it the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I'm quoting Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree. I quoted that verse, preached from that verse Sunday, Sunday on stability. He'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So we see that the first thing that our children need to see in our life is evidence of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But number two, write this down. They need to see examples of leadership. Yes, examples of leadership. Here at Calvary Baptist Church and at Calvary Baptist School, we do everything we can to try to raise our young people to be leaders. We train them to be leaders. We, we push it. We push it. We emphasize it. I talk about it all the time. I tell our kids, don't need to be a follower. You need to be a leader. You don't need to be a thermometer. You need to be a thermostat. There's a difference. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat sets the temperature for the room. Hmm? And whatever we got our set on, it's set on too hot for me. Turn the fans on back there for me, somebody. Get some air circulating. But we've got too many therm thermometers and not enough thermostats. We've got, we got too many people following and not enough people leading. Well, guess what, Daddy? You're the leader. You're the leader. The Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. The Bible says that the dad is the head of the home. Some of you men could be real leaders if, you, if your wife would let you. Some of you men would be real leaders if your wife would quit being the leader and force you to be. But I know this, 
this verse is very clear. He's talking to the fathers here. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And in that verse, the word admonition means warning, counsel, and guidance, and input. Fathers are supposed to guide their children. That means sometimes you tell them no. Be a great day in a dad's life when he realizes he can tell his kids no. I've seen dads that don't tell their kids no. And those kids grow up running the house. They grow up thinking that they're the authority when they're not. You know what they need to see? They need to see leadership from the dads. I was reading Genesis 18 this morning. God said he was going to give Abraham a son. God said, I'm going to give Abraham in his old age, I'm going to give him a son, and I'm going to make a great nation of him. And God told us why. Here's why God said, I'm going to make a great nation of Abraham. He said in Genesis 18, 19, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. God said, I'm going to make a great nation of Abraham because he will command his children and his household. We live in a society today. Now this is breakfast with dad. So you men can say amen all you want to. We're outnumbering the women this morning. We live in a society today where all you hear is people talking about toxic masculinity. What they really mean is that a man being a man is toxic. And that's hogwash. We live in a society today where the men are being criticized for being, now a woman can be a man. And a woman can identify as a man. And a woman can act like a man. But if a man does, it's toxic. That's how messed up our society is. Is everybody all right? I'm a twin. I got a twin sister. She was born eight minutes before me. I was a gentleman. I let ladies go first. I got a twin sister. And when we were born, we had, there was two of everything. Her stuff was pink and my stuff was blue. And she was the girl baby and I was the boy baby. And growing up, nobody believed we were twins because she was always about that much taller than me. We'd stand right beside people. We'd stand right beside one another and we'd say, we're twins. My sister, she's up here. They'd say, are y'all identical? Do you even know what that word means? Do you have any idea what identical means? And I'd look at them and I'd say, no, I'm a boy and she's a girl. They'd go, oh, I guess that was kind of dumb. And I was like, yeah, it was dumb. There's a difference in boys and girls. I remember a day when you used to get amens on that. Now y'all are afraid CNN's going to overhear you and put something viral on the internet if you say amen at something like that. We got two bathrooms here. We got the boys' bathroom and the girls' bathroom. That's all we got and that's all we're going to have. And where I came from, the men were the leaders in the home. 
And they led their family and they led their children. And in this verse, the Bible's clear that the fathers are given instruction from God to bring up their children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The daddies, the fathers are the one that should be warning and counseling and guiding their young people, which is one reason why our society is as messed up as it is because most dads today are AWOL. Kids are growing up without the influence of their dad. And when I say influence, and I talk about leadership, I'm not talking about showing them how to get to level 14 on Grand Theft Auto. I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about setting the bar in your home and leading your children. And we try to do that here at Calvary Baptist Church and Calvary Baptist School. But dads, we need your help. You can't drop your kids off down here every week, every day at 8 o'clock in the morning and delegate your leadership to your children. We can only do so much in the classroom. We can only do so much when we have them here. But when they come home, they're your responsibility. And it needs to match what we're telling them here and needs to match what they see at home. So many kids grow up and they're so confused. There's such a disconnect because here we take the Bible and we show them how life is supposed to be. We show them how the home is supposed to work. We show them what their role is and their dad's role and their mom's role and to honor them and obey them. And then they go home and there's a disjointed disconnect because what they're experiencing at home doesn't match up with what we're teaching them here from the Bible. I like to have a dollar for every time somebody blamed me because their kids end up in jail. I'm like, why are you blaming me? They live with you. They're your kids. Well, the youth pastor didn't and the pastor didn't and the school principal this and that. What about daddy? What about mama? What about the leadership in the role at home? The kids need that example of leadership. Number three, write this down. There needs to be experiences of learning. This verse is all about learning. You fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up. Bring them up in the nurture. That word nurture, I looked it up this morning in the Greek lexicon. Here's what it means. The whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions, now reproofs and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body. So everything from teaching your children how to bathe with a rag, a bath cloth, and a bar of soap. Can I get a witness? But well, we have kids show up for school some days. I was like, man, what'd you do? Waller around with a dead skunk all night? You smell like a mule coming in here. Did you not get a bath last night? Well, my, 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 my dad was playing Nintendo, and my mama, she was on Facebook, and I was just left to fend for myself. Now, they don't say that, but that's exactly why they didn't get a bath. My dad played Xbox till 2 o'clock in the morning, and my mama, she couldn't bathe me because she was trying to find out what everybody was doing on Facebook, and I was just left for myself. Went to bed without supper, went to bed without a bath, and to come to school smelled like the south end of a northbound mule. <laughs> Teaching them everything from how to bathe, how to eat with a fork instead of their fingers. Oh, it's finger licking good. We're eating spaghetti, use a fork. <laughs> how to use a napkin, how to have manners at the table. Amen. Climbing all over the table, knocking stuff over. Everything from how to behave and how to conduct yourself to morals, how to be an upright citizen, 
how to say please and thank you. Well, that's a novel concept. Thank you, please. Excuse me. Kids, when you burp, say excuse me. And don't burp in public. Well, you guys, you think the louder you can burp at the table, the better of a man you are. Come on, man. Daddy's help us out here. You say, well, that's what I do at the house. That's the problem. Well, that was a good one right there. That was a good one right there. And they come to school and do it and get the merits. <laughs> Experiences of learning. A dad's number one job is to teach and educate, train their children. You can't subdivide that. You can't, you can't delegate all that. You've got to do it. Teach them, how to, hey, teach them how to nail boards together. Teach them how to cut grass. Teach them how to crank a, a weed eater. I know you probably don't have a big yard, but you have to cut it, I'm sure. We don't have real big yards up here. Huh? Scissors. Use scissors. Uh, I got tickled. I came, when we moved up here from South Carolina, I was like, man, your yard. I was like, man, I don't have a yard. I had a yard in South Carolina. I had four acres. I had horses and everything. Got up here, and my backyard barely held my trampoline for my kids. Could jump off the back porch onto the trampoline and then jump over the back fence. Where we come from, that wasn't called a yard. A yard's like real estate wrapped around your house. But teach them how to run a lawnmower. Teach them how to use a weed eater. Teach them how to rake leaves and bag leaves and weed flower beds and how to wash the car. One of these days they're going to be older and you can just sit on the couch and say, go wash the car, and then they'll wash it. But you've got to teach them how. Some of you can't wait till your kids get that old. They'll be there before you know it. Experiences of learning. Here's another verse, Deuteronomy 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here's what God said. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. That's what God said to the parents. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Well, I could preach for about a week right there. People don't talk anymore. Everybody's on their phones and iPads and watching TV and playing video games and nobody sits around and talks anymore. And we wonder why kids grow up, graduate from high school, can't get a job because the whole time they're interviewing, they're just going like, and I, I was like, and I don't know how to talk because the only word I know is like, and I was, I was like, I was listening to an a official in Florida yesterday on a video, and in about a 45-second clip, she said the word like, I do believe she said the word like 50 times. I was like, and we were just like, I was like, I was like, I was like, would you stop saying like and just say what you're trying to say? But that's what happens when people don't know how to talk and communicate. Dads, we need to communicate with our children and teach them and show them things. They need that. They might not need those $150 basketball shoes, but they need a daddy that will teach them things. Number four, lastly, they need expressions of love from their fathers. Look at the verse. And your fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See that contrast? There's a contrast there. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's the opposite of wrath. That's the opposite of anger. And let me tell you something, dads. Your children need expressions of love from their daddy. We run buses here at Calvary Baptist Church on Sunday mornings. We'll go out and we'll pick up children from all over the community, all over the city, Dundalk, over in Essex, and up in Baltimore. And they come here, and those little kids are starving for attention and are starving 
for affection. We have to put down some pretty strict rules and guidelines with our bus workers. We have to tell our bus workers, our men and teenage boys on our bus routes, don't let those little kids crawl up in your lap. They will do it just like that. You can't do that. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a compromising situation. But these little kids are starving for love. Little kids will crawl up in the lap of a strange man and just wrap their legs around him and wrap their arms around his neck and kiss on him and hug on him. They're starving for affection and love because they're not getting it at home. Boy, I'd hate to think somebody else was loving on my kids more than I did. I don't, care, I don't care how manly a man you are. I don't care how rough you was brought up. I don't care about anything like that. When you've got children, your children need love and affection from their daddy that they can't get from nobody else. One of the most heartbreaking things is watching many times in my ministry, I have watched girls grow up, turn into teenage girls, and chase any boy that would look twice at them. They don't care. They don't care. They couldn't care if he, can't, if he can't keep a job. They don't care if he can't keep his britches up. They don't care. They don't care about anything. He shows them a little bit of attention and can steal their heart just like that because daddy's not showing them any attention and time and love and affection at home. Children need that. I was thinking about that prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. What a picture of a father's love, unconditional love for his child. That prodigal son had been out. He took his father's inheritance, went to a far country, the Bible says, and spent his entire inheritance on harlots. Ended up in a hog pen. The Bible says he was so hungry, he was staring at the husk that the swine did eat and thinking about eating it. He's at the bottom. I mean, this boy is at the bottom. And all of a sudden he came to himself. He said, I'll arise and go to my father's house. And the Bible tells us that prodigal son, he left and he went back home. And there's no telling what he looked like, what he smelled like, working in that hog pen. And he was broke and he had no friends and he had nothing and he had no food. And no doubt he was nasty and greasy and grimy and dirty. And the Bible says that when his father saw him a great way off, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. A father's affection, a father's love. And that boy just broke down like a cheap tent right there on the road and said, Daddy, I don't deserve to be your son. Let me be one of your servants. His dad stood him up, put a robe on him, put new shoes on him, put a ring on his hand, went in, they killed the fatted calf, and they had a feast. And he said, my son who was dead is now alive. And I thought, what a gesture of love and affection for a dad to grab that grown son and fall on his neck and kiss him. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he did that when he was a little boy. I wonder. I know this, they grow up fast. They grow up fast. We were sitting out there just a minute ago and I had Zane with me. My other four were already out of school. Callie was here helping teach fine arts in the classroom while we were having father Breakfast, daddy, breakfast. And I looked around and I said, they're grown, they grow so fast. I mean, they're here and then they're gone. And if we don't love them and if we don't show them affection, they're going to look for it somewhere else. Daddies, they need that from us. This morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if we would maybe have a dad 
that would just like to grab your child by the hand and bring them down here to the altar and just have a word of prayer with them. Just kind of make a special memory. Just grab your child or your children if you've got more than one and just get in the altar and just be a spiritual leader for about two minutes. Just gather them around you and thank God for them and ask God to help you be a better dad, a better leader, a better example. There may be a dad here today that's not even saved. If you died today, you don't know for sure you would go to heaven. We would love to take a Bible today for you, get out of here and show you how you could know for sure you're going to heaven so you could be the spiritual leader in your home, so that you could be that example. Some of you men are letting your wife be the spiritual leader in your home. That's not the way God intended it. of your home, Daddy, you are. I'm not going to stand up here this morning and pretend to have all the answers. I've made plenty of mistakes as a dad. And I needed this message as much as anybody today. There's some things our kids can do without. But a God-fearing daddy is not one of them.